Welcome to Blip Wappity Bloop, a Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Nate Hawley, and with me is our very own hero with a thousand faces, Will Heckman. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. So, we know we've been away for a while, uh, a couple weeks. Uh, it wasn't our intention to take a two-week break, but uh, with some holiday planning and both of us being sick at different times and with our equipment malfunctioning, unfortunately, we had to take a two-week break. But... We're back to recording, and hopefully we'll be uh, back on a weekly schedule now. Um, but we are this week we're going to be talking about something that's deep within the DNA of Star Wars, and that is Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey. But before we do that, we're going to dive right into our first segment, Bustin' with Happiness, where we each talk about something from the world of Star Wars that's made us happy this week. Jar Jar? Lisa Bustin' with Happiness. So, Will, what have you been enjoying in the world of Star Wars since we last spoke on this podcast? Well, um, specifically in the past week, all the art and all the you know the posters, the, the TV spots we've been getting for the Rise of Skywalker have just been really cementing my optimism for this movie. I would say, just <laughs> I had to, I have to almost. Uh, pick between these different posters that keep coming out mm. for my wallpaper lock screen. <laughs> yeah. And I just, it's all been so good lately. Uh, what about you, Nate? What, what have you been enjoying in the world of Star Wars? Yeah, I've also been enjoying those um, TV spots. And I, I, by far, my favorite, maybe even, I might even like it more than the trailer. I don't know. But um, the Duel of the Fates yes. spot was so. So good hearing that John Williams music again, getting me excited for the possibility of. I, I'm sure it will be in the movie. I'm yeah. sure it will be in the movie, and I'm so excited. Uh, a recent one that came out, it hasn't been officially released, but you know it was on someone's TV. Mm-hmm. Had uh, Battle of the Heroes uh, in it. That that most recent one yeah, with Ray. That one I just flipping saw. over. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so tons of Rise of Skywalker stuff. Uh, Brazilian Comic Con was is this week, um, and right. they just did their Rise of Skywalker panel today. Um, I saw some of the stuff that came out of that. They didn't really reveal anything new, um, but they did release this really sweet behind the scenes spot about the friendships formed right. um, in making these movies, and that was uh, really touching. Um, of course, I've been enjoying The Mandalorian. Um, yeah, we haven't had a chance to talk about The Mandalorian yet on this podcast. Um, other than speculating about it. Right. But uh, we'll do that here in a second. Um, Something else I've been enjoying, I'm still trucking along on Master and Apprentice. Um, I'm, yeah, just slowly getting through it. It's (laughs) it's hard to find time to to sit down and and read. Um, But I also, uh, I haven't even talked to you at all about this. I started... Lego Star Wars: The Freemaker Adventures on oh, Disney Plus. Yeah, I didn't even think to watch that. Yeah, it, it, they're really fun. I'm two episodes in now, and it's really <laughs> fun. You know, it's not. Uh, people have described it as like canon adjacent. So right. like the things that contradict obviously aren't canon, but you can kind of view the things that don't as canon. I don't even bother with that question. It's just a really fun show and. Right. Um, like in the, from the very beginning of the episode, the emperor is 
mocking Vader for getting the Death Star blown up. He was like, oh, wait a minute. What was that? The Death Star? Didn't you get that blown up? What did you do about that, Vader? Hmm? Dooku wouldn't have gotten the Death Star blown up. That's a good burn. (laughs) It's really funny. And yeah, I highly recommend checking out uh, the Freemaker Adventures on Disney+. But yeah, so we haven't had a chance to talk about the Mandalorian. Um, So I thought now that we're over halfway through... Um, the first season, as of recording this, episode five just came out, um, and we've both seen it. Um, I've seen it twice now. I don't know how many times you've seen it, but I thought we'd just get your thoughts. How are you feeling about the show in general? What have you liked? What is there anything maybe you haven't liked? What What are your feelings about the show? Um, I'm really enjoying the show. Uh, I don't think I've enjoyed a new TV show as much as I've enjoyed this one for a long time. Um, Just the... (laughs) I love the cultural phenomenon of it, too. Yeah, it's the biggest show on TV now. Yeah. Like, it's more in demand than Stranger Things was when that was... when the new season came out. Like, it's huge. It's crazy. It it blows my mind that this this little thing... And it it helps that Disney Plus, I feel, is so accessible, too. Yeah. But the show itself is just blown me away honestly i i i didn't expect it to be this good i had my doubts honestly but i i was still optimistic about it but the direction and the just the visuals are just fantastic and i'm very happy with it yeah absolutely uh i love the the show took a completely different direction than i thought it was going to you know i thought that it was gonna be about this lone badass fighting against the imperial rem like him right. and the guild fighting yeah. against the imperial remnant maybe not maybe. the case at all no um we won't talk real spoilers other i mean you all have seen baby yoda because he's an internet sensation <laughs> um but uh yeah we won't go into real spoilers but this is actually about a like heartwarming caring human being right like, the mandalorian isn't this you know stone cold um killer killer. like i mean he'll kill when he needs to and obviously he's in that line of work but he gets he he feels for this kid and and man it's yeah it completely surprised me and i love the visuals um we have our first live action star wars directed by women Mm -hmm. um and those are my my favorite episodes those two episodes three and four agreed um i love what they've done with mandalorian culture i didn't really think we'd get into it as much as they have this early in the season um i thought that would be towards the end of the season or maybe even save it for season two um but they've gone right in and uh i really dug it um this most recent episode apparently has been controversial on twitter yeah. um some are saying it's too fan servicey some um are disappointed with treatments of certain characters which i can resonate I can with that complaint that, yep. um but i thought it was good um you know dave filoni directed it and i think he wrote this episode too i can't I remember right. but um, i think this is the first one he wrote um but you know we go back to Tatooine on this one I, again i won't talk spoilers but it's it's got some cool stuff some it does have a lot of fan service 
but I'm a fan who felt serviced, so <laughs> right? I, I enjoyed it. So um, I don't know what everyone's complaining about, but yeah, we've we've really enjoyed the show and are excited for for more. Just three weeks left. It's yeah. crazy. The, the last episode we recorded, we hadn't seen it yet, and here we are. Or no, we had seen a couple episodes right, yeah. um, for the holidays when we had recorded our holiday special episode, but. Yeah, now we're five episodes in. It's it's wow. almost over. <laughs> like, yeah, blink of an eye right there. Yeah, it it's crazy. I, I love, I, I didn't talk about this, uh, I, I love the, the pacing of it. Like, right. the episodes are a lot shorter than I thought. I thought they'd be minimum 45 minutes, probably an hour long each. Same. Um, but they've been around 30 to 40, which some people have complained about. But honestly, I it's really fast-paced. Yeah, it, it, like they don't leave anything for like filler like they don't drag anything yep. out like it it's just get to the action i'm gonna he's gonna do this thing and go through his story and nothing's gonna really interrupt that and i i've really enjoyed um it, yeah everything they're doing with the show it's it's been really good right um so uh without further ado uh we're gonna get into our main topic today and uh, that is Joseph Campbell and the Hero's Journey. Finn, let me learn you something big. So, full disclosure here, Will and I have actually had this conversation before. Um, if you follow us on Twitter, you'll notice uh, we had a recording issue. So we recorded a whole episode and the audio was completely unusable. Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. But uh, we're actually... You know, it was actually kind of a godsend uh, because we were able to do some more research in the, right. this week um, and make some new discoveries that we're excited to talk about. Um, so, yeah, full disclosure, we have had this conversation before. So Joseph Campbell, for those of you who don't know, was an American literature professor who uh, taught at Sarah Lawrence College. And he worked in, uh, um, other than literature, he worked in comparative mythology. He studied legends and myths from cultures all around the world from across time um as well as theology from different religions and psychology um he was a big student of carl jung and um uh, took a lot of the things that um the theories that he presented into his work um he's best known for his book the hero with a thousand faces which came out in 1949 where he puts forth puts forth this theory of the mono myth that throughout human cultures there are similar themes that show up without interference that um you know you'll see something in a native american myth that shows up in an ancient japanese myth even though these two cultures hadn't interacted at all um, and so we're going to talk about that today because George Lucas was a big uh, student of, of Campbell. Campbell even later referred to him as his greatest student. Um, and when creating Star Wars, George Lucas wanted to, uh, to introduce young audiences to these themes, uh, to these uh, Campbellian ideas. Uh, we're also going to approach it um, through the lens of uh, Christopher Vogler. Uh, Vogler was a story analyst for Disney, actually, but Vogler discovered Campbell in the 80s, and 
he then wrote this seven-page memo where he kind of breaks down. He thought Campbell's ideas were brilliant, but he thought they were a little, maybe too wordy, a little too t complicated. Um, and so he wrote this memo and presented it to his fellow creators at Disney, outlining the hero's journey. And that ushered in the new golden age of Disney. Yeah. yeah you know, the 90s were where we got Little Mermaid, Lion King, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, the greats. Yeah. Um, the so, renaissance. Yeah, the renaissance of Disney. And so these ideas have really permeated the culture and have revolutionized storytelling um, in a big way that you may not have even noticed. Vogler then went on to write his own book, The Writer's Journey, um, where he um, reflects on this even more. Full disclosure, though, Will and I have not read either book. I have I have read the memo, the seven-page memo, but Will and I have done a lot of research on this topic, even though we haven't... Between the two of us, we've probably read enough that we could have read the, <laughs> right. the, the books by now, um, but we don't want to put ourselves forward as experts by any means. No. Um, we are hoping to read them. It's just finding time to read is hard <laughs> and we want to keep up with all the star wars canon con content too and so that's a lot of reading so i've been talking for a lot so i want will to kind of outline this uh original um hero's journey idea um if will if you could read um this section vogler in his um memo kind of after he outlines everything he presents this original uh, or he presents this summary of the whole idea, and we'll break it down for you after that. But yeah, well, if you could read uh, this paragraph that Vogler wrote. The hero is introduced in his ordinary world, where he receives the call to adventure. He is reluctant at first to cross the first threshold, where he eventually encounters tests, allies, and enemies. He reaches the innermost cave where he endures the supreme ordeal. He seizes the sword, or the treasure, and is pursued on the road back to his world. He is resurrected and transformed by his experience. He returns to his ordinary world with a treasure, boon, or elixir to benefit his world. Thank you, Will. So, uh, before we dive into this, Will, I wondered if you could kind of talk about your experience with uh, this idea of the hero's journey and the monomyth. Where did you first encounter it? How, yeah, what, what have you learned from these ideas, just kind of some introductory thoughts. Um, well, the first I really truly got this was from the podcast, uh, the soundtrack show, um, to where in excellent the, podcast, please check it yeah, out. Um, where that's where I first got the idea of the hero's journey, and then it slowly just kind of snuck its way up on me, and then you presented, hey, look at this. Mm -hmm. And so it's been something that I've slowly been getting into now, and but devouring anything I can on it to where it's making me look at all these different stories that I interact with or, you know, read or, or watch or play even and just see them in a different light. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I don't know where I first encountered the idea, but I know I've been vaguely aware of it for a while probably read something talking about star wars yeah. um and how george lucas um uh used uh campbell 
uh, to write the story. But yeah, recently I've started to really get into it, um, particularly from the works of um, Brian Young from the Full of Sith podcast. He he brings it up a lot, and that inspired me to uh, do some more of my own research. And uh, yeah, you just see this stuff everywhere and finally they put um the power of myth um the uh series with joseph campbell that they did um back in the 80s they put that series on netflix um i think it's off now though unfortunately uh but i was able to watch that and actually hear campbell talk about um his ideas himself and it, it was honestly life-changing yeah. like it changed the way i look at stories changed the way i look at religion at life at other people like campbell has since become like my personal hero i love everything about this guy and i yeah so i've been really excited to talk about it on the podcast one one of the reasons we wanted to talk about this early on was this is something you and I are passionate about and right. we know we'll refer to um, in oncoming episodes. And so we've thought to establish common language with our audience. Um, it'd be a good idea to break this down. So, uh, Will, why don't you go ahead and lead us into this? We're going to talk about each phase of the hero's journey, the different steps that Vogler um, uh, put forward. And then um, we'll talk about each of them and then talk about some examples um and then talk about what we think what we've learned from from this uh right this method so the hero's journey is separated into three stages or three acts um you've got the departure act where the hero leaves the ordinary world the initiation act where the hero ventures into unknown territory or the special world and is birthed into a true champion through various trials and challenges and then finally you get the return act the hero will return triumphant and so the 12 steps that are within those three acts um each act gets four different steps uh go as follows the ordinary world the call of adventure the refusal of the call meeting the mentor the crossing of the first threshold test allies and enemies approach to the inmost cave the ordeal reward or seizing the sword the road back resurrection and return with the elixir now in the first act the ordinary world this is where we get to meet our hero where we um where they build the world off and you you see the hero interact they do their day-to-day -day things and you just get a sense of what their life is like so in star wars a new hope you get luke skywalker on tattooing you know he's a moisture farmer and so he has to work with his uncle and his aunt and the first thing with that is going to you know look at some droids to help out on the farm right uh, yeah, and we see this, you know, like we said, these themes are universal. So, like, um, another popular story is Harry Potter. Um, we meet him at uh, Four Privet Drive in the uh, cupboard under the stairs, where he's living this really miserable life, also with his aunt and uncle. 
And so we just kind of established this uh, regular world that he's uh, living in um, with Katniss Everdeen in The Hunger Games. You get her life in her district. With Iron Man, you get Tony Stark uh, living as this eccentric billionaire playboy before he is, you know, thrust into a moment where he has to step up or die. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And... Uh, yeah, so we see this all over the place with Anakin in The Phantom Menace. You know, he's yep. presented as a slave. The Phantom Menace is an interesting one to talk about because Anakin isn't necessarily the hero of the story. Right. I think it's a mentor-driven story. I think Qui-Gon is the main character, um, which, you know, we'll talk more about that when we get to the meaning of the mentor. But it's a really interesting story to look at when you analyze the structure Uh, that's another thing we should say is that the steps don't necessarily follow in this order these are just recognizable themes that happen in pretty much every story but they don't necessarily happen in this order so the next step in our first act is the call to adventure so the call to adventure is going to be all about the hero uh being thrust out of their comfort zone and you know being presented with this you know with the path before them previously when we had spoke before to each other we we thought that the call to adventure in star wars was r2's uh recording of princess leia you know help me obi-wan kenobi you're my only hope right but we realized since then that that is not luke's call to adventure that is r2d2's right. call to adventure um so again you get these themes in there and yeah it's not linear but you also might get them multiple times for different characters sure yeah um huge thanks to uh the actual the hero's journey podcast which we discovered in this week um in between recordings but it it, on that podcast they present that it's actually obi-wan saying to luke you must learn the ways of the force if you're to come with me to alderaan right um that is luke's call to adventure with other characters will what can you um so like with I, I was recently ro- watching Wreck-It Ralph, and the call to adventure with that is, you know, why don't you go get a medal, and then mm. you can be the hero, mm. you know? And and then there's uh, things like Harry Potter again. You know, the owls start coming in and dropping off letters. Right. And sometimes it's not necessarily a, um, you know, it's not something that is like a choice presented with them. They're forced into it. Sure, Like yeah. in Iron Man. Yeah. Where he essentially is, he's captured, kidnapped. Yeah. And that, you know, is the, you know, starts his call to adventure. Yeah. And, and I mean, he's, he had, he's forced to save his life. I yeah. mean, his mentor, again, we'll get into that in a bit. Um, I cannot remember the scientist's name. Uh, uh, Jensen. Jensen, yeah. Jensen saves his life first. But in order for him to be able to, you know, go out and live, he has to build himself the Iron Man suit. And that's his call right. to adventure. But yeah, he's forced into that. He's not presented with, hey, billionaire Tony Stark, would you like to be a superhero? Right. Like, um, he's forced into it. With Anakin, Qui-Gon presents this. He frees him um, from Watto and then is like, you can come with me to course not to be a Jedi. And he's like, yippee! Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Literally. Um, uh, with Rey in The Force Awakens, it's um, 
touching the the legacy saber and then Maz saying, you know, you can learn the ways of the force. Um trying to think of other places. Uh with Ezra Bridger mm. in Rebels. Um for him, I'd say his call to adventure is probably um Kanan reaching out when they're being chased by stormtroopers right. and the ghost is flying overhead and he's like you can come with us or you can get shot by stormtroopers right. and he decides to take the jump. leap you yep, know he exactly. makes the jump literally um so yeah this is all over the place and uh but what one of the things that's um interesting about the call to adventure is that by its nature the hero's world cannot be the same so for harry he gets these invitations and then his world is suddenly changed he's being visited by all these owls (laughs) and like his world is suddenly magical right um for luke uh even though he doesn't accept the call right away which again we'll talk about um here in a second but he's presented with this idea of the force he suddenly knows something about the universe that he didn't know before he can't unknow that uh so yeah so the the call to adventure changes the very um nature of the hero's existence um and then that leads us to step three which is the refusal of the call so this is that moment where after obi-wan says you must come with me you must learn the ways of the force if you were to come with me to alderaan and Luke says, outright denies him and mm-hmm. says, says, I have a life here. I have to help my aunt and uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, so this is them just turning down that call to, to action. Mm-hmm. And so in other instances, it's, it's not always going to be something that's a choice that they make either. Mm-hmm. This is again, that, that, you know. Uh, the refusal is without their choice. Mm. Um, one of these instances, specifically in Star Wars, is The Empire Strikes Back. The first refusal of call in that is really going to be um, Luke is told to run to Dagobah, uh, and then the Empire comes mm. to Hoth. And so he is stopped. He's prevented right there. He's from, prevented from answering the call. progressing and refusing. It refuses that call, essentially. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, uh, in the other, like, first episodes of their respective trilogies, it's pretty straightforward. Again, um, you know, Anakin, uh, his is really short. You know, he's a kid (laughs) who's excited about this. So you could almost, you you can blink and almost miss it. But, um, it's when he says, I can't do it, mom. I just can't do it. Like, he has this moment when he realizes his mom can't go with him that he questions... Um, his destiny um but his mom's able to convince him no this is what you were born to do um this is what you have to do and then with ray of course she's like i don't want any part of this i want to go back to jakku yeah um why does everybody want to go back to jakku <laughs> why does everyone want to go back to jakku for ezra he uh kind of reverts to his um survival of the fittest idea of like yeah. i just got to look out for myself right People don't, you know, look after each other. People yeah. don't do that. People he literally don't do says that. it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we see this everywhere. So the final step in 
um, the first phase of, of the ordinary world um, is meeting the mentor. So we'll want to talk about that. So this is where the hero acquires their trainer. They're, you know, the person that will give them the ability to, you know, go on this adventure. Obviously, in Star Wars A New Hope, that mentor is Obi-Wan Kenobi. And yes, we've already met him. So again, it doesn't always happen in a linear fashion. But sometimes it's more revealed as they're the mentor now. As... Obi-Wan starts to train Luke in the Force. Um, in Rebels, uh, we meet Kanan pretty early, mm-hmm. who is just, who is this kid? And so at first they're at odds with each other, and he isn't presented as the mentor until the end of the first two episodes. Yeah, he's just presented as, like, a rival trying to right. snag the same score. Like, So yeah, he's not necessarily introduced as a mentor at first. In Harry Potter, that uh, mentor uh, to guide harry into this new world that he's being introduced to is hagrid at least initially yeah um because hagrid's the one who brings him to diagon alley and shows him how the wizarding world works right uh and harry gets many of these moments throughout the series oh yeah um again in that first story uh ollivander is kind of presented as as a mentor um of course in uh the second book you have um Gilderoy Lockhart, uh, that was his name. Um, he's presented as a mentor figure, not a good one. Um, then, of course, you have Lupin in book three, um, Sirius. Um, so, yeah, he get and Dumbledore Obviously, as but... well. Um, so, yeah, these things happen again throughout the series. For Luke, he gets Yoda. For Ray, she gets Han, Han and then, and then Luke. Luke. And in a weird way, I'd argue Kylo Ren kind of is presented almost as a mentor um an anti-mentor in a yeah way. that's that's, uh, a, that's a nice way to put it i yeah, like that yeah um and well she really gets all of the original three uh, right cause, yeah cause you Leia's know Leia's there too um and as we've read she is going to be training her in the rise of skywalker so yeah quite literally she is going to be a mentor figure for her and then back to iron man we have jensen yeah who is really just opening tony stark's world up to this idea that in a way he's caused all this distress exactly in, um and so it is up to tony stark to fix that yeah that's another thing about the mentor is they reveal something about the world that the hero didn't know before so for tony stark he he doesn't realize that his selfishness has caused all this harm until it's directly affected him and jensen is like you did this like these were your (laughs) weapons this is like your fault you know for luke obi-wan's like this is the way like the force there's this magical energy that um is in everything yeah um uh, for Harry Potter, it's Hagrid saying, you're a wizard, Harry. Like, it's like, <laughs> I'm just Harry. Um, refusal. Yeah, that's his refusal of the call. So then we move to the Initiation Act, or the um, Special World, and that starts with crossing the first threshold. Now, it's called the first threshold because Campbell argues that there's multiple thresholds um, that... Uh, that the hero will have to cross. And so that is when the hero is like, all right, I'm going to do this. 
I'm gonna go ahead and jump into this world. Um, and so for Luke, that is, um, he's kind of thrust into it. So he returns home, he's refused the call, uh, but he finds his aunt and uncle burning his whole farm, his whole life on Tatooine is over. And so there's nothing stopping him from uh, answering this call. And so he says, I want to learn the ways of the Force and um, go with you to Alderaan and answer this call. For Harry Potter, um, it, it symbolized quite literally um, in that Harry runs through a literal wall um, to get into the special world. You know, I was thinking about that before, and... I don't think that is the first threshold in Harry Potter. Okay. I think it's when he goes into Diagon Alley because that is an actual, also another actual threshold because they open that up and he steps in and it's all new world to you. Iron Man, it's this, um, really, I don't know what the actual first threshold the is. The first threshold for Iron Man, um, I'd say it's probably when he builds the suit. Yeah, that's and what I was thinking too. He, like Jensen is dead, and so he then has to he he commits to this. He's like right. the thing, the person keeping him alive is himself. Yeah, is himself now, and so he has to enter into this world. And so yeah, it's building the suit. Um, you could argue again that maybe it's not that, but when he returns home and he decides to stop all the weapons building that this is the new world of tony stark potentially right. i don't know in the case in the phantom menace it's for anakin it's going on this this journey it's it's getting on that ship and then being presented in front of the jedi council yeah um that's a whole new thing you know with with the images and he has to tell them what he sees right for ray it's interesting because you can argue that maybe her first threshold is leaving Jakku, but she hasn't really pr been presented with a call um, right. to adventure. Um, she's just trying to escape the First Order. But then, of course, they're trying to get BB-8 back to their base. Mm -hmm. But there's also the moment where Kylo Ren bridal carries her mm -hmm. into Starkiller, into his ship to go to Starkiller yeah. base, where she's <laughs> kind of like, literally carried, carried across him. the threshold hmm. um, well <laughs> i mean it's there like that's the the image there. <laughs> but then again yeah you know so ray ray's interest journey i'm not entirely sure what that first threshold would be ray's it it really breaks the mold yeah. i would say with um with her you know stages and her her moments of uh, the hero's journey again we've said it before we're gonna say it again this isn't linear it doesn't right. follow the set path it's it's i feel like i'm the doctor saying it's wibbly wobbly <laughs> um but it's it it's neat to reflect on um yeah i think it, yeah it's not necessarily linear but the force awakens certainly does some really interesting things with the order that yeah. these steps are presented for Ray. Uh, again, it's not necessarily new or anything by no. not following in following the order, but I think uh, potentially we might do an episode on how The Force Awakens 
um, follows the hero's journey because it does it really interestingly. And and I'll I'll venture to say that I sometimes feel like it's mostly between uh, seven and eight. Yeah. Uh, that hers that these you can kind of put the path between the two movies right yeah because she doesn't in a way she doesn't really commit to the special world like she's thrust into the special world but she doesn't commit she doesn't accept the call until the end of the movie yeah really um so yeah it's really interesting to to talk about maybe we'll we'll do an episode on on the force awakens and the last jedi and ray's journey with that um, so after the hero crosses the first threshold, we then have step six, which is tests, allies, and enemies. Um, Campbell called this step uh, the road of trials, I believe. Right. Um, and so, yeah, this is where the hero is confronted with the new rules of this reality. Um, things are different uh, than they were before. So Luke goes to Moss Eisley. He's confronted with all these wacky characters. <laughs> And he meets Han Solo and Chewbacca, which, you know, are allies, but they're not necessarily friends. You know, right. he comes off kind of gruff and they don't get along at yeah. first. And, you know, you don't really know where he stands uh, with the enemies. We've seen stormtroopers, Tusken Raiders. He goes through a physical test um, before meeting Obi-Wan of having to fight the physical fight, the Tusken Raider and yep. he loses so this is yeah general trials um where we're introduced to new characters harry potter gets ron and hermione uh mm-hmm. and it's it's unlike with han it's, it's a pretty quick bond with ron right at least not necessarily with hermione sure and then his initial tests or trials are you know going to school obviously getting the lessons but his first real trial is the um the Broomstick practice, yeah. broom riding practice, uh, where Malfoy gets a hold of, um, what was it, Neville's, was it Remember All or something Re- like that? Remember yeah. All, yeah. And he, he throws it, and Harry chases after it and catches it spectacularly, and then gets put on the Quidditch team. Right. And, you know, before that, you know, Malfoy is introduced as an enemy. So, right, yeah, yes. we're, we're presented uh, with an enemy there. For Ray, you know, she's introduced to Finn and... BB-8. Uh, BB-8, Han Solo, well, Han Solo is the mentor and uh yeah uh for ezra it's all the crew of the ghost for anakin he meets obi-wan he meets padme and jar jar and then confronted with the enemies of uh the battle droids and you know presented with this conflict that he will then uh ignore the advice of his mentor and take part in (laughs) um i want to hit back on um the sequel trilogy um in the last jedi you get uh finn and rose on their journey to where they meet dj but he he's presented as an ally but he's what this would be called as a shapeshifter in myth which is someone who changes shape from an ally to an enemy mm, yeah um and it's something i literally just click hey yeah. remember that thing and so that's that's always interesting to see because there are other times where we have seen in recent uh cinema where these shapeshifters happen uh obadiah in iron man is one of those yeah uh you think he's you know a an ally or possibly a mentor but it is quickly realized that he is 
not who he seems to be. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So this is, yeah, where we um, encounter different trials and meet, yeah, meet new characters. Uh, for Anakin, it's probably that test in the, the council room right, where yep. he's, you know, asked to do these things and he passes but also fails because (laughs) like he does all the things but they're like he's too old so then we move on to the next step which is the approach to the inmost cave um so this is where the hero uh, approaches a challenge so the cave doesn't have to be a literal cave it can be obviously that idea came from somewhere you know typically from like knights going into a cave to face a dragon different things like that so this is the that's no moon uh, as they're approaching the death star this is that they're about to get there also that journey to the death star too so i would you know as luke is learning about the force you know with the blaster trainer thing um something is looming overhead that clearly something bad is happening right um obi-wan gets that moment of a thousand voices just screamed out and then were silenced. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He um, he presents this idea of gloom that's just hang, <laughs> hanging there. Um, I surprised myself with that one. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, that that's brilliant. Yeah, because everything seems fine at first. You know, there it it seems to be that mo that that we're still in the road of trials or test allies and enemies right um that we're just learning new things about the world but yeah that moment where obi-wan feels the death of the billions of people on alderaan suddenly shifts everything yeah and you feel this looming challenge that oh they're about to approach something dangerous that's that's the turn to this step step i guess yeah um with harry potter it's it's the three of them harry and ron and hermione entering into the forbidden section and getting uh past fluffy uh the three-headed dog yeah and you know they had to you know play the play music to get him to fall asleep yeah um yeah no for sure that's yeah this is the stage where the hero is about to face a great challenge so then yeah that leads us to uh the last step in this um phase uh which is the ordeal or the supreme ordeal um this like uh campbell referred to it as like the blackest moment like the darkest hour so the ordeal in star wars in some ways is the entire death star sequence but i think most literally is seen in the trash compactor it's that belly of the whale moment where you know, Luke is pulled under, and you think he might be dead. He's yeah. not coming out. So yeah, th- this ordeal is the darkest moment for our hero. We think they may not make it out alive. Sometimes they don't. You know, yeah. sometimes the hero dies, and then we'll come back. Which you know, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, um in <clears throat> in Harry Potter, this is them going through those tests: the flying keys, the life-size wizard's chests, and others. And we also see this in an interesting way, I would say, in um, uh, The Force Awakens, literally when the star is sucked up. Oh, yeah, I love it. You, you actually see that transition 
and that's just that's powerful to me whenever i watch the force awakens yeah absolutely um uh you know this also you know i said this was for luke this was the trash compactor but it also is the death of obi-wan kenobi um and so for ray it is the death of han solo but yeah i love um i could talk forever about uh dan mendel's lighting in that scene (laughs) uh in the force awakens because yeah he uses lighting to portray the conflict in kylo ren as well as the hope for the resistance for our heroes and then that hope literally goes out with the sun um it's brilliant and so that brings to point that the ordeal sometimes can be seen as the death of the mentor yeah um absolutely um the death of the mentor the death of an ally um or the death of the hero yeah you know that sometimes uh you know later in harry potter's journey he will die and that is his darkest moment there for anakin he doesn't bear witness to it so i don't think anakin really has this moment in the phantom menace not really um but it's then transferred to obi-wan where you know he has he has to witness the death of his mentor um and that's his um dark moment that's his ordeal uh i just thought of um like the guardians of the galaxy uh i'd say for star lord it's the moment where he and gamora are hanging in space you know they're literally in the realm of night um as you know to use the mythological term they're in space it's black all around them and they're dying both of them are literally dying and we don't know if i mean you think probably one of them will make it out but you don't know if both of them will make it out alive um so yeah we see this so many places and then uh we move on to the final phase so the final phase is the return act so the first part of the return act is the reward or seizing the sword uh this is where the hero will see the light at the end of the tunnel to where they can see where their path is going and they can proceed and win the day in a new hope it's luke rescuing princess leia and capturing the plans of the death star and escaping the death star sure um one of the things i love about um a new hope though is the sword is not princess leia no because they didn't know that like they weren't going to rescue the princess they were going to take the plans to alderaan right they didn't know that the princess was going to be there that ended up being like a a side quest (laughs) (laughs) but they find out that the plans were in r2d2 the whole time right and so the sword was with the hero the entire time which i think is a really good message is that you know the well like leia says at the end of the last jedi we have everything we need you know it's it's you had what you were looking for all the along inside yeah. of you. Um, I like that. In The Phantom Menace, it is literally, in this case, our hero is Obi-Wan. He literally seizes the sword or the lightsaber because he his, his darkest point would have been the death of Obi-Wan and then fighting Maul and then getting dropped down that shaft. Uh, and then he feel, reaches out through the Force and gets the lightsaber in order to defeat Darth Maul. Yeah. Um, For Harry Potter, this happens in, you know, him reaching into the pocket and having the 
you know, Sorcerer's Stone or Philosopher's Stone. Right. So what do you, you brought up Wreck-It Ralph earlier. What oh, do you yeah. think um, that moment is for for Ralph? Seizing the sword for Ralph. Um, I would say that would be, I don't know, um, him coming back and, you know, no. The sword for him is the knowledge that Vanellope was supposed to be part of the game all along. Mm. He he sees the, the, the paper fall off the screen a little and he sees her on the side of the uh game cabinet um and so that he now has that knowledge and he can take it back to uh candy crush no not candy crush (laughs) (laughs) um sugar rush sugar rush it rhymes a little (laughs) um and and then help her you know out from there absolutely so the this brings us to our next point is the road back um in which you know, that tunnel, you know, the light at the end of that tunnel might be just a little bit further along than we thought. So in Star Wars, A New Hope, it's, they brought the Death Star plans, um, to, uh, Yavin 4, and they're, but they also happen to have brought the Empire with them. Right. And so this is that moment where they realize, the fight's not over yet, boy. <laughs> um, and with Harry Potter, um, it's after he realizes the the stone is in his pocket. Then he has to figure out how to keep Professor Quirrell or the this vessel of Voldemort away from it. Yeah, absolutely. For Ray, the roadback's interesting. Um, I would say this probably happens, well, it's interesting because I think the seizing of the sword happens after this, because yeah. I would say the road back probably, for Rey, fo- immediately follows the ordeal, follows the death of Han Solo, and that they're trying to escape, and then they're confronted by Kylo Ren, um, and then she seizes the sword, and then has to f- face her dragon, and she has to fight kylo ren yeah this is typically where you know the the knight has to defeat the dragon you know this is bilbo baggins trying to sneak around smaug and um try to fool him into um so that he can escape so yeah there in myths um the road back can look different depending on how the hero entered the cave um, if they were invited by the gods or whatever um, mythic figure, then they're typically sent on their way pretty um, gently. Right. Um, however, if they snuck in, like uh, you know Luke with the Death Star, and um, well, they didn't sneak in; they were taken. But either way, if they snuck in, if they weren't supposed to be there, they have to flee for their lives. Right. Um, we see this with Anakin in the starship at the end uh, because he wasn't supposed to... He, he, he was supposed to be in the cockpit, right. but he wasn't supposed to take part in the battle. So this brings us to our next stage, which is resurrection, in which the final test is, is here. And they get this moment often uh, with the... You might, might get an actual resurrection happen. In Luke's case in A New Hope, it's... They go into the trench of the Death Star, and they're 
you know, he's approaching it. And that's his road back. That's, that's his. his road back. And he gets it kind of twice here where um, Han Solo comes in and he shoots the TIE fighter to break Darth Vader and all of them yeah. away. But then also in the apparent resurrection of Obi-Wan, you know, use the Force, Luke. You know, that, that final moment to take that power that you have and this is Luke's resurrection too to where he taps into the force becoming an all new person and saves the day yeah yeah absolutely this is the that moment where the hero is finally overcomes this trial you know for Harriet's defeating Voldemort at the end right um for Iron Man you know it's fighting um Ironmonger at the end um, it's typically this final battle, right. but what's what's interesting, and so we call it the resurrection because, yeah, like you said, the hero becomes an all new person. But what's interesting, I think, with the New Hope, you brought it up, how Obi Wan speaks to him, you know, yeah. through the Force. He's somehow alive, and so I think this idea of the resurrection of the mentor causing the metaphorical resurrection yep. of the hero is a really interesting idea. Like in the line, the witch in the wardrobe, we see the resurrection of Aslan, um, who is, you know, presented as this mentor figure for, um, the children in that story. And his resurrection then inspires them to win the day and the battle with the, um, with the white witch. And, uh, Um, yeah, it's Wreck-It Ralph his resurrection is he's at the hands of uh, King Candy or Turbo and he's being lifted high up and being made to watch the essentially the death of this one friend he's made Yeah, and he takes that moment to sacrifice himself Yeah, and that's that point where he is transformed as well into a hero. Yeah, well, you'll typically... Uh, uh, that's another recurring theme is the theme of sacrifices. Um, the hero uh, may, in this moment, choose to lay down their life right. to save the lives of others and thus becoming... Yeah, they're resurrected, even though they may... The resurrection event may be the death right. of a hero um, in that they're willing to lay down their life. And so that brings us to our final stage, the return with the elixir. So this is the triumphant homecoming of our heroes. And so in this, it's obviously, you know, they've blown up the Death Star and they they go back to Yavin and they have their, you know, ceremony. Mm -hmm. But what can be the elixir, though? Um, The elixir for, for Luke... That's interesting um, because I think it's probably his personal acceptance of this new power he has. Right. It's also the victory over the Empire in this, at least this part of the galaxy. Right. I've I often will see it in the sense of a you know brought into a new family in a sense with mm. with him joining the rebels. Sure. In this story with harry uh that's gonna be the uh house cup yeah you know at the end of end of the first book and movie he dumbledore sorry 
Dumbledore says due to the uh, actions of these three students, you know, Gryffindor gets all these extra points and, oh, I guess a change of decoration is in order. Um, so that's a prize or the elixir in this case. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the elixir, this can also just be a general word for reward. Right. Um, Campbell uses the word boon. Um, it's kind of an older word. Um, See, I prefer that word, though, because yeah. it's... I don't know. I, I like older words sometimes when it comes to this kind of stuff because I feel like it encompasses everything that we actually mean. Sure, yeah. Uh, yeah, because a boon doesn't necessarily um mean like a prize right so like i think for luke in the empire strikes back his boon is his new hand yeah um it's this new object um this new insight he is forever changed physically by um the events in in his uh, the previous stages of his journey you know uh and so you'll also see here this is technically where the hero might return to the ordinary world. So this is, you know, for Harry, this is him getting on the train to go back to, um, back to England, back yeah. to his home, Privet Drive, uh, back to his home on Privet Drive. For Luke, there, there's no going back. No, because the there is, for Luke, leaving the ordinary world is. In a way, it's kind of like the Matrix, and it's realizing that the ordinary world doesn't actually exist. No. Um, That's a good one. Yeah, because Obi-Wan presents him with this idea of the force of magic, and that's how the world works. That's yeah. just the laws of nature. It's different for Harry because there are these divisions between um, Hogwarts and... Uh, his home, you know, between the magical world and the muggle world, there's right. these divisions. For Iron Man, it's the press conference where he actually goes out and says, I am Iron Man. Right. And then, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and But, you know, we get in the, the end credits that now his ordinary world is not the same, and he's being tasked to essentially join a bigger world. Exactly, yeah. He's gone on this superhero adventure... But he's returned to this role of this, like, of the president of his yeah. company, and you think everything's going to be normal, but he it, he it says, be. I I am Iron Man. Yeah, yeah. He's, nothing can be the same. Um, And then for Wreck-It Ralph, he, he literally goes back to his day-to-day -day world of being in the game, Um, but his boon is he no longer feels like being the bad guy in his game is such a bad thing and now he has a friend and he he can see her and feel happy for her in that yeah respect uh for ray in the force awakens it's interesting because the boon shows up when she returns yeah in that the map isn't complete until they've oh, yeah, yeah, gone yeah. on their journey um so the yeah the map to skywalker appears after they've gone on this quest and and of course leading to her next adventure um but that's kind of her her boon is i think the map also the sword also you know the lightsaber right um and the knowledge of the force and um all of that so so yeah so that's in a nutshell that is, <laughs> in a long yeah very large nutshell 
that is the hero's journey but there's so much more to it um we really need to read those books read the hero uh hero with a thousand faces and writer's journey i'm sure we probably messed some things up uh, along the way but will i wonder if you could present some like final thoughts of how these things have affected you um any new revelations from this conversation what any just final thoughts um just that it like i said before it 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 this has forced me to rethink um you know just how i perceive and uh watch or read um these different stories um and just also when i'm watching other things that you know we haven't mentioned i'm now looking for these moments um and i feel like i appreciate them a lot more now yeah absolutely yeah like i said before i mean this stuff changed my life like it changed how i see stories how i look at yeah the world because that's the thing is stories are not just mere entertainment and these things are about us you know the a new hope is not about a jedi you know mark hamill says it's about a farm kid from nebraska like pretty much it's about us and so these stories are supposed to reveal something about your own life and so you can take this hero journey and identify these moments in your own life yeah we all have our own hero's journey within our own story that we are currently living yeah um and so on that note it's yeah it 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 can help you reflect on your own life and and see that and maybe figure out where your journey is going if you're having trouble yeah absolutely um i think it it gives us language um to describe some things that feel indescribable yeah um and i think it can just help you have more empathy like i I talked about how how it helps you have more empathy for other people with like different religions and beliefs and things but it also has you helps you to have more empathy for yourself because you can look back and see your growth your hero's journey you can identify these moments in your life um where you came through an ordeal um where you experienced a resurrection um you know this is it's cyclical yeah yeah it never stops and it doesn't stop for our fictional heroes either which is you know why we're able to have so many star wars movies (laughs) uh if they if the hero hero's journey was just one and done then we wouldn't have a franchise it would have just been that one movie so um so yeah so we hope this has been helpful to you um we will definitely be referring to the hero's journey many times in future episodes that's why we wanted to do this episode was to create some common language to talk about that um but that's it for our main topic today uh if you have anything you'd like us to cover on the show feel free to email us uh at blip blop bloop pod at gmail.com or you can tweet us suggestions at blip blop pod um but for now we are going to move on to our next segment truth in legends there's always a bit of truth in legends so this is the part of the show where we talk about something we've been enjoying outside of the star wars galaxy 
that we feel has some sort of connection with it. So, Nate, what have you enjoyed recently that you would connect to Star Wars? So, um, with the uh, advent of Disney+, Plus, there's been plenty of movies in their catalog that I have not uh, been able to, uh, to watch until now. And one of those movies was a Lucasfilm movie called Strange Magic. Mm. This was an animated <laughs> yes. movie. Have you seen it? It's been a long time. Yeah. It, I was surprised. I thought it was older. It came out in 2015. Um, well, I, I'm... Yeah, yeah, obviously. But no, it, it's... um, Yeah, it's... Wow. I thought you were talking about a different movie. Oh. <laughs> now I'm foot and goes in my mouth. That's all right. Yeah. But yeah, Strange Magic. It's an animated film... George Lucas came up with the idea. He was a producer on the movie. This is like the last Lucas film that he um, had personal involvement in. Um, right, I remember now. Yeah, it's this uh, love story uh, between these like, well, they're not elves because there are elves in it that are different. I don't know. I don't know if we get a species name for the main character, but they have these like butterfly wings, and it's like it's kind of set in the real world in that there's like squirrels and frogs, and everything's very small. Um, you know, it's in the, these are like pixies, like they're the size of like insects. Um, but it's this love story, and <laughs> it's set. It's like a jukebox musical. <laughs> so like there's lots of singing but it's like all love song like popular love songs <laughs> um and, and so it's that. really weird um alan cumming plays the villain the bog king um but yeah it was this last movie that george lucas came up with the idea uh he didn't write or direct it but he was a producer on it and I don't know that I liked it, <laughs> oh. um, but it's interesting. The animation is really good. Like I have heard good things about it. Shockingly good. Um, yeah, I believe my friend Matt watched this when it came out, and he said very similar things to you than you, that you just said. Um, one of which that sticks out is he he gushed over the animation yeah it, it's really incredible um but yeah it's it's interesting it's got some good stuff in it um uh it'll be interesting to see if it plays and like somehow plays into anything we see from lucasfilm in the future <laughs> um i've seen some people uh compare it to the sequel trilogy online um and find similar uh beats um, it's basically a Beauty and the Beast story. So, you know, with the whole Raylo thing, uh, that's where people are right. seeing connections. So I, I, it's interesting. Also, there are some design similarities to Star Wars. So like the Bog King's throne is like the spidery throne, that like original Macquarie oh, concept okay. that we're seeing cool. in, in the Rise of Skywalker now. But yeah, his bog, the Bog King's throne is very reminiscent of that. And I'm sure that was intentional. Um, on the artist part but how about you what have you been enjoying that has a star wars connection um well i uh just last weekend um went and saw knives out uh the most recent directed movie by ryan johnson uh who directed the last jedi as i'm sure 
most of you know. Um, and that was just a phenomenal movie. It's I so good. Loved it. Um, I just love the the he takes the whodunit and he hits the beats, but he also turns them on their head. Yeah. And I feel like that's just that in my opinion, that's that's classic Ryan Johnson right yeah. there. He he takes a genre and he turns it on its head, but also, you know, it it's it works and it's good. He does yeah. a good job with it. Um and I know Nate has been gushing over it a lot more than I yeah, have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've seen it twice now. It's my favorite movie of the year. Um the Rise of Skywalker is going to have to do a lot if it's going to top it for me. <laughs> it probably will because it's a Star Wars movie. Yeah, it's But fair. it's so good. I just, I love it so much. Yeah, and I, please I, see this movie. Go out, support it. We need more original content like this. Like, that's the, it's a completely original story. Right. Um, you know, it's done in the style of an Agatha Christie whodunit, but it's not based on any of her works. Um, it's completely from Ryan's head and... It's just, it's it's so good. It's fun, too. Yeah, it, it's hilarious. Um, I didn't realize, like, you could tell, there were funny moments in the trailers, but it, it's a straight-up comedy. Yeah, like, it's it is. a whodunit it really and a comedy, and it's um, so good. I, I just, especially one of the one of the moments at the end, uh, I just busted up laughing in the theater. And my theater was kind of small, only a few other people in it, along with me and my wife. And um, <laughs> we just bust up laughing. And I think a couple of the other people in the audience were just like, why are you laughing? <laughs> and then they get the reveal of the moment. And then they get the small little thing. Oh, I think I know the moment you're talking about. Quite possibly. We'll talk later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Go out and support Knives Out, please. please. Um, in the few weeks you have before the rise of Skywalker. Um, which, that's crazy. So close. Uh so we're recording this on Saturday, December seventh. So there are twelve days. Well, yeah, <laughs> there are twelve days until the rise of Skywalker. Twelve days until this saga we love comes, comes to an end. end. Um, how are you feeling? How are you feeling right now? Going into it, um, I am not ready. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the same time, I'm so excited um to like i mentioned earlier all these tv spots and the the art they're doing and the articles we've gotten the past week have just i'm more and more optimistic about it every day um chris terrio has said a few good things he's i why have they kept him quiet this long (laughs) he's so like listening to him talk about the rise of skywalker maybe gets me more excited than anything like he yeah gets star wars like i was a little concerned because he wrote justice league and batman v superman and you know those movies um but those movies do have some good lines so i'm going to attribute them to him and but he he gets star wars man and 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 that's so funny because we We've just had to rely on everybody else's word for this yeah. for so long. JJ has said it that he gets it. You know, Kathleen has said similar things, and so we're just like, okay, but what what does he have to say? And they they and they, you know, let him let him loose, and it's like a floodgate. And yeah, I, I watched the the big press event they did um, where they had um, him and JJ and Kathy, and then the cast 
um, all on a stage, and Ava DuVernay moderated, and mm. it was really cool. Um, but he got so emotional talking yeah. about the story. And one of my favorite moments was they revealed in the writing process, they, they were really struggling with the third act. They couldn't figure out like this transition scene between the second and third acts. Yeah. And they're like, why can't we write the scene? Him and JJ were like, why can't we write this? And so they went and talked to Rick Carter, the production designer, and he's like, guys, you just don't want Star Wars to end. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yes. they're like, crap, yep. you're right. No, we actually have to end this thing. Yeah. They're like, we just don't want Star Wars to end. And, you know, once they realized that, then they were able to finish the story. And, wow. Um, but, yeah, it, I just, I love hearing him talk about it. And, yeah, the the visuals we're getting from the TV spots, I I love the visual work in The Force Awakens, but The Last Jedi took it to a whole other level. Like, regardless what you think about the plot or character development of the movie, the visuals are so gorgeous and it seems like jj and dan mendel the director of photography were inspired by ryan johnson and steve yedlin to take more visual risks because it is gorgeous and so speaking of gorgeous visuals um we're gonna uh next week be talking about the cartoons um, and so all the animated things that the uh, Lucasfilm has done uh, for Star Wars, and all of the canon ones, we yes, probably won't ones. talk about Ewoks, Ewoks or droids that much. <laughs> um, and why should you watch them? Because you should. They're brilliant. They're like, I'm so tired of hearing people be like, "Oh, it's That's just for kids." kids. Um, Spoiler alert: Star Wars, it's for kids. Yeah. I love the uh, video that Patrick Willems made about The Last Jedi where he has a, a he uh, continually cuts back to a shot of himself holding up a card that says, this is a movie about space wizards intended for children. <laughs> and so um, with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up here. Um, Nate, where can everybody find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Hall of Fame. Uh, that's Hall spelled H-A-W-L like my last name. And you can find me on Twitter at Heckahawk. If you're listening on iTunes, please leave us a review because it really helps for us to get seen and for us to uh, increase our audience from there. You can also follow the show on Twitter at BlipBlopPod and you can email us any feedback at BlipBlopPod blipbloppbloopod at gmail.com. And with that, I've been Will Heckman. And I've been Nate Hawley. Blip bloppity bloop. Bye bye. So say goodnight, friends. <clears throat> Good night, but not goodbye. The ability to speak does not make you intelligent. Now get out of here.